actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 today. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What is it that can make someone snap? Drugs are the first thing that usually comes to mind, for me anyway. I've talked to people nearly on a daily basis that are either on drugs and talking out of their head, or the drugs that they have been using mess with them enough that our reality is not shared with them. It's not always the case though. A person can have some traumatic event that sends them over the edge. Something horrific that happens in their life that sends them down a mental spiral and they don't come back from it. When it comes to a mental breakdown, there's not a one-size-fits-all explanation for what it was that got the person to that point. In this episode... I have a couple different cases that were done by people who obviously had some sort of mental break that happened to them. Details on these are pretty bad. I know I say this in quite a few episodes. This one's no different. If you're uneasy about things happening to innocent people, including children, you may want to skip this episode. And on this one, I will give a slight amount of context in the first incident before playing the audio. 911 operators in Tucson, Arizona received 911 calls regarding a house that was on fire. Local fire department was sent to battle the blaze. This is the radio traffic of the fire crews as they respond to and then get on the scene. 
responding. Check the timer. Is your one responding? Check your one. All units responding. Multiple callers reporting the house on fire, flames coming out the window. Neighbors trying to see if anybody's inside yelling. Fire battalion one, upgrade the rift, fire second medic, please. Check battalion one, EC4, engine two, upgrade code three. Battalion one, additional medic is going to be medic one. I copy medic one. It's approaching, we got smoke showing. Yeah, just send the light. Now, just be aware there's a guy telling you real fast behind you. Yeah, Jack, thank you. They just ends at the scene. We have a single story, single family residential, small. We've got smoke showing from the front of the house. Single story, base reconstructed. It's got a pitch asphalt shingle roof. They just have to be pulling a pre connect for primary search and fire attack. This will be a work in. Shots fired. Code 99. We got shots being fired. No units come to see me. TPD stat. All units from battalion one. Uh, let's make sure that we stay away from the scene for engine 10. Uh, do not approach into the scene. Let's stage away from the scene. Agent Tanford Battalion, what are you guys able to safely get out of that scene? We've got one patient down. We're going to be clearing the scene. Battalion, one copies. Part of Battalion, one, do you copy code 99? That's permanent. Fire is ladder 10. We're being shot at. Ladder 10 for Battalion, one, are you guys able to exit that scene safely? Fire for Battalion 1. Go ahead and start me a uh, major medical as well. Check Battalion 1. Fire Battalion 1, just with the additional medic trucks, please. Sure. Battalion 1, Engine 2, we're going to block the street here to minimize traffic. Lighter 1, then, Rob. I copy Engine 2. Station 1 units are in the area staged at Tucson Marketplace in Keto Parkway. Do we have Lighter 10? Battalion 1, Engine 10. Engine 10, Battalion 1. Battalion 1, Engine 10, I've been shot. Cruise this one up. I copy that engine 10. Where are you located at? I go into a house. Stand by. There's still shots going on right now. Battalion 1 copy. Fire alarm from Battalion 1. Do we have TPD in Route Code 3? That's permanent, sir. They have multiple units now. Who are on my medic trucks in Route? Subject is a 20s, 30s blackmail. Still has a firearm in the shooting. Command is ladder 10. I have. My engineer and one firefighter from Engine 10 in the back of Medic 10, we flipped the scene. I'm missing both of my firefighters. I copy that. Which firefighters are we missing? The Chinese one is Ladder 10. I'm missing. From Battalion 1, do you copy? This is Firefighter from Ladder 10. Are you Code 4, sir? I am Code 4. Do you have. With you. Firefighter. Our present with him. I copy that. Engine 10 from Battalion 1. Battalion 1, this is Engine 10. I'm by myself in a residence. I don't have the address right now. I got a GSW to the right arm. I think it's just superficial. I copy that. As soon as you can get that location, please relay it to us if you're able to. I'm going outside right now. Be advised, TPD is pulling up right now. Command, we got the crew of Ladder 10. Both firefighters and one engine firefighter. So all units, battalion one is going to assume command. I will be Vista Command. Command, fire. Fire line, command, go ahead. What channel would you like to major medical on? We're just going to keep everything right here on A7th right now. Check. Do I have another battalion to respond as well? You have battalion four, EC2, medic 22, medic 45, medic 7, all in row. Fire from command. Give me those units again. I have Battalion 4, EC2, 
Affirmative. Ladder 1, Medic 22, Medic 45, and Medic 7. Command, this crew 10, the shooter was walking back and forth behind Ladder 10. He's in a striped shirt and uh, still holding a pistol in his right hand. Command, copy fire alarm. This is Command. Are we able to relay the information to TPD, please? That's permitted. Command, be advised, we have the shooter on Scamble. He's shooting at the cops right now. We're backing up. He just hit a cop car. He's shooting at the cops. Shooter is down. The cops shot him. I copy that. Shooter is down. Cops shot him. Some of the audio in that was redacted, likely taken off the names of the injured firefighters. I'm not sure how it works in Tucson, but I would imagine it's likely the same as it is here in Nashville. If you have a firefighter down, firefighter in distress, something like this, it's just like a police officer in distress. It's put out all over every radio and all officers are going to respond until the situation is deemed safe. In this case, you heard what happened. Firefighters arriving on the scene started trying to fight the fire. Someone there that was on the scene obviously didn't want that to happen. The suspect started firing on the crews that were there, striking more than one of them. Then, later in the incident, was firing on a police officer and ran his patrol car with his own. Body-worn camera from the police officer in this portion of the incident was released. This is some of the audio from that. Okay, I need to go through you up here to secure this seat. I don't know what I've got yet, but there is a house on fire, and I'm checking on the individual on the street right now. Copy. I'm going to see if Team 2 can help us. Which one? 1-year-1. One. One one break. I just got rammed here at Campbell End. I rammed this stuff. One out of one five shots fired. Suspect down. That was me who fired shots at the suspect. Suspect is down. Gonna be here at Campbell and Irene Vista. 1U3. 1U3, are you clip for? More shots there? Um, he has a gunshot wound to the head. 5-3, where you at? 
You guys want to stay here? Where's he at? How far along? Alright, so there's more. There's more shots then. Hey, bro, pull up your car over here. Let's get let's get a contaminant around us, okay? The video from this will be linked. I'll let that play out there at the end to let you hear what they were hearing. After the officer got shot at and rammed by the suspect, he exchanged fire with him and ended up putting him down. The officer then goes over to the suspect's vehicle to see if it's clear of anyone else inside of it and then goes over to check on the suspect and start rendering aid. While doing this, they were still hearing shots being fired. As you could hear, they wanted to set up a perimeter and try to contain whoever it was that was still doing the shooting. Luckily, that turned out to be just ammo inside that house that was on fire that was cooking off. If this was all that was involved, it'd still be a pretty crazy scenario. But there's more. A lot more. The shooter in this, his name was Leslie Scarlett. He was transported to a local hospital and was initially listed in critical condition, but later died from gunshots that were fired on him from the police. Police and news crews on the scene described this as a nightmare scenario. The timeline of this still a little bit unknown. They're still kind of looking through everything, investigating. But from what it looks like, Scarlett, the suspect, shot his girlfriend, then set the house on fire, the one that the crews were responding to. He then left the house and a couple blocks away from the house, he found an ambulance in a park that was staging for a completely separate call. He then fired upon both the paramedics that were inside the ambulance, hitting one, a male in the head, and the other, a female, in the chest and the arm. The male driver was listed in critical condition, and the female was listed as serious but stable condition. The shooter then headed back to the scene as firefighters arrived and started firing on them. Somewhere in the middle of this, and I'm still not sure of the timeline, but a neighbor saw the house on fire and rushed out to try to help fight the fire. The suspect shot him in the head right in front of his 11-year-old son. He died right there where he was trying to douse the flames with some water. His name was Corey Saunders. He was 44 years old when he was killed. Another neighbor was grazed by one of the suspect's bullets and the firefighter you heard on the radio, he was shot in the arm. When crews finally got the fire put out, they found a badly burned body inside. It's believed to be the girlfriend of the suspect, the one I was mentioning earlier. I say believed to be his girlfriend because she's listed as missing, and also that victim was burned so bad they couldn't even determine the sex of who it was. They did find a gunshot wound, so likely she died before she was burned. Luckily, the three children that lived there in the house with him, they were listed as missing, but they were found later at a relative's house safely. So this guy, he shot multiple people, presumably set his house on fire, opened fire on police, fire, and paramedics. 
most of which looks like it was a set-up ambush type attack and was then put down by the police. What made him do this? He was an ex-con. He was convicted in 2007 of attempted robbery and he spent a few years in prison because of it. He had some other run-ins with the law, but nothing violent like this. So what happened to him? What brought him to doing all this? While not listed as to what kind, there was some mention in the reports I read about some previous mental illness. Nothing over the edge or overly noteworthy. But even with that, something else had to have pushed him. Leslie Scarlett, the suspect in this, he lives in the 2100 block of East Irene Vista in the Western Hills subdivision of Tucson. His mother, Ruth Monica Scarlett Webb, lived across the street from him, along with a man by the name of Richard Harwell Jr. On January 7th of this year, Leslie's mother's house caught on fire, likely due to an electrical problem. Leslie saw the fire and ran across the street, past the fire crews that were on the scene trying to fight the fire. He ran into the burning building to try to save his mother, and in the process, he was badly burned. Him, his mother, and Harwell Jr. were all transported to a local hospital, all of them listed in critical condition. Leslie himself had burns over 80% of his body. His mother died two days later of smoke inhalation. Harwell Jr. passed away a few weeks later from complications. Scarlett stayed a month in the hospital before he was released. After all this happened, his mental state took a nosedive. Police had to be called on him a couple times, one for walking through yards of his neighbor's houses, screaming out loud, fire, fire. On that one, he resisted police a little bit, but his girlfriend, the one who he likely shot and set on fire, told police of his instance with his mother across the street, stating he was having some personal problems with what happened. Police didn't arrest him, not that night, and instead took him to a mental health facility where he was later released. This all looks like it was just a downward decline mentally from the fire that happened with his mother. This may or may not have been able to be prevented. Follow-ups from that mental health facility are done on a basis only if there's a continued need for their service. As in, if there were any further indications that they're having some sort of mental problems and those are reported to the facility, the person can be reevaluated. In this case, there were no further calls for him to that mental health facility. Look at this how you want to. It's a complete tragedy all around. To those that were affected, I wish you all a speedy recovery. Uh, okay, ma'am. Where are you now? 
I'm in my house. She left my door open. My baby boy, my oldest baby boy, is the only one that's here. And only one that's alive. She left. She let them left them in the house by themselves. She left them in here, and they knocked the okay, old phone. They were. Can you listen? I, when I came in, the stove was laying on my son's, my youngest son's head, and my other son was laid out on the floor with his brains laid out on the floor. I don't know what to do. I just came home to work from this. Okay, ma'am, I'm go I'm gonna get EMS and I'm gonna get um police and fire at the at the location. Can you tell me where you're located? Um, 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 ma'am, I can't even talk. This is so serious. I'm so scared. I don't want to get locked up because I was at work. Okay, ma'am. I, I understand that you're scared. I completely understand, but I need to get some help out there to you now. Can you tell me where you're located? I understand that, but can you can you please help me? Like, can you please tell me? Like, I don't want to get locked up because this is not my fault. I had just came home for work. I just came home from work. Yes, ma'am. I just came home from work. Okay. Ma'am, the the first thing that I need to do is get some help out there to you. I understand that you're upsetting your They've been here dead. Like it, it it's not it's no way in the fuck. She left my baby dead. Okay. And I don't have no way okay. to reach her. If you if you're not sure if you were at work, ma'am, listen to me. If you were at work while this happened, then the responsibility is gonna fall on your sister if that's who you left them with. Okay? Okay, hold on one moment, because I'm going to also get EMS on the line as well, okay? Yes, Hold please. on one moment. Yes, ma'am. Stay on the line with me, though. Hold on one moment for me. Okay. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. When I just came home from work, my babies were stuck in the stove, dude, and I just came home from work. Wait, my wait, cousin was babysitting my kids and left my kids dead in my house. Ain't no telling how long they've been in this house. All right, wait. So are you, is, your, is your son, is he obviously dead? Is he breathing at all? Can you tell he's, me he's dead. He's burnt. Both of my children are dead. Their head is burnt. Yes, we have PD and fire already en route to that location. All right, thank you so much. Please, help me up, please. All right, ma'am, I'm, I'm en route, okay? We're en route. Okay, thank you so much. All right. That call was placed by Lamora Williams, a 24-year-old woman from Atlanta. In the call, she claimed that her cousin was left to care for her children while she was away. Police arrived to find a horrible scene. Investigators started questioning the caller as well as neighbors trying to figure out what happened that night. Neighbors disputed the claims of Williams saying her cousin was over there. They claimed she left the children alone frequently and that she never has anyone over there with the children. Neighbors and investigators said that the apartment she lived in smelled like death. This indicated that likely their bodies had been inside a few days or more. It was later determined that no one else was ever there at the apartment. Sometime before dialing 911, Williams called the boy's father via video chat and showed him the boy's bodies laid out on the floor. When police arrived, they found the two boys 
a one-year-old and a two-year-old with their heads trapped in an oven that was tipped over. Investigators believe she tried to burn the bodies to try to conceal how they were actually killed. The autopsy wasn't clear on how they were killed, but noted that strangulation couldn't be ruled out. The report also noted that neither had broken bones or any sort of blunt force trauma. Their bodies were damaged by the oven, but not burned in the traditional sense. Quoting the medical examiner, these thermal changes appear to be entirely from dry heat and changes from prolonged exposure to heat. It would require an extensive amount of time to get to this degree. Complete and total speculation on my part, but it looks like she may have strangled the boys, then partially put them inside the oven and turned it on a low heat setting, and then left them there for an extended amount of time, then pulled them out and possibly dropped the oven somehow on their heads. So what happened to cause this? There were a few different indicators. Some say it was triggered by the boy's father leaving, although he kept the boys on the weekends and helped out financially with them. It's unclear why he left, but the mental issues may have been one of the reasons. She also could have been suffering from postpartum depression. Any number of things that it could have been, being she was never diagnosed with a specific condition, but Williams apparently had troubles for a while, and earlier in her life, she was known to cut the heads off of dolls. Williams was arrested for a number of charges, including two counts of murder as well as three counts of cruelty to children, being that another child, a three-year-old, was also left inside the house and likely witnessed the entire murder, and at one point said that one of the children there was sleeping on top of the oven. And also she was charged with one count of lying to the police and two counts of trying to conceal a death. Again, a tragic case that has a lot of questions, many of which may never be answered. Before closing out this episode, I just want to remark on the job of the dispatchers involved in both of these cases. I believe in both, they were outstanding. The first call, the dispatcher kept complete and total calm, getting the help started very quickly. I say total calm because if you had missed the transmission of someone being shot, his tone never changed and you would have never noticed that, that it actually happened. He simply got the help going that needed to be going out there. On this second call, what a horrific thing to actually have to listen to. That dispatcher probably sits with that call and has it come up in her head on a regular basis. I know I wouldn't forget a call like that. It did take over two minutes to actually get the address, but that was no fault of the dispatchers. That suspect wouldn't stop talking. It was almost like the suspect was embellishing the scene, trying to describe what was happening. But then, when they transferred her to the EMS dispatch, she was stone quiet until they answered the phone, and then she quickly turned back on the likely acting job she had going. Regardless, in the case of both of those dispatchers, the police and the one from EMS, I hope they're doing well after hearing all that. That's going to wrap up this one. Be sure to check out the Facebook and Twitter pages for an announcement coming up in the next day or two. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area, it might be kind of cool.
But for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.